Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. In case any of you are concerned, no, none of this podcast is top secret, SCI clearance required. So if you're listening to this from Mar-a-Lago, don't worry. This week, lots to get into. Democrats with more momentum after a big special election win in Alaska. I want to point out that this is the exact same thing I said last week. We're seeing a decoupling and a choice election between two parties and not a, not a referendum. It's a choice between the crazy and the folks that are getting things done. And this time, like I said, it was Alaska. Yes, Alaska. And we have a special guest today. Our friend Trigby Olson is back with us. Trigby and I have been helping our friends at the Lincoln Project, figuring out exactly which elections we need to be focused on to save democracy this fall. Trigby, welcome back. Thanks, Joe. It's good to be back. And we got the mother of MAGA got beat. So good things <laughs> happening. Oh, yeah. Well, let's let's go there first, guys. Joe, you caught it when you were reading the intro. I literally copy pasted from the intro last week. Huge win for Democrats and another special because it keeps on happening. Like you said, this week, it's Alaska. Sarah Palin lost trick. You just hinted at it. And this one... I don't know. New York, it's kind of like it's New York. I know it's a bellwether district, but guys, Democrats won Don Young's seat. He's had the seat since 1973, I think. Like this one's huge, right? It's got to be huge. Yeah. And it, it's only uh, for four months, but even uh, the Cook Report put it, I think now in a, in a lean Democrat or toss up, but lean Democrat toss up. It was like likely R or solid R. Now it's a toss up. You know, the other thing is they moved five districts in the Democratic Party's direction today uh, at the Cook Report. It just shows the continuing movement and what we've been saying for months that this was not going to be a red wave. It's pretty clear. But I mean, there's a lot of really interesting stuff happened in Alaska. Tom Bonier, the CEO of uh, Target Smart Data, has done an analysis that showed that before the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, uh, men were out registering women in Alaska by three points. And since Dobbs, that flipped to now 7% more women are registering, have registered since Dobbs in Alaska uh, from women. At the same time, the share of Democrats among new registrants increased by five points. And I think we're seeing this trend. I mean, that's we saw some of this in New York 19. We've definitely seen it now in the last five specials 
since Roe v. Wade was overturned, where Democrats have consistently outperformed, overperformed what anybody expected. And Alaska equaled the biggest improvement so far. Yes, it was an unusual ranked choice race, but for the GOP, they're dealing with these divisive candidates, uh, extreme candidates. You know, Palin is just another example that in these big races, it's just not a great omen for them. Whenever a candidate is seen by the electorate as extreme, it transcends the usual referendum on the president and the party in power. And we, again, I think we're seeing that, except now it's not just any candidate, it's all their candidates. In other words, even the ones like Molinaro in New York 19 that aren't as extreme, you know, aren't, aren't the MAGA nuts, are losing. You know, they're seeing, this is a party that now I think writ large is seen by, the, by enough voters as too extreme to govern. And I think that's going to be what the election in November 2022 is about. I think it's a trap, right? Because if you're the moderate running, you're not MAGA enough. And if you're the MAGA candidate, what you're going to see is what happened to Sarah Palin. They're going to leave the building on you. I mean, baggage is baggage. The fact that you had that high a percentage in, in, in this case, I think the ranked choice thing kind of gives some interesting insights because you see how many baggage supporters ended up voting for the Democrat as their second choice. And what it says is, you know, the pro-democracy coalition is the majority in this country when given the opportunity to cast their voice. And they're starting to do that. And then you have it coupled with the Dobbs decision, which is made it clear that the, the far right is the dog who caught the cement mixer. I agree with you, by the way, that ranked choice voting really exposes sort of that Bannon line, you know, of where there are you know, a significant number of, of Republicans who voted for Democrats. And then at the same time, a whole bunch of them just walked out. I mean, they, they didn't leave a, a second or third choice. They, they, they voted for baggage and said, nah, no mas, I can't vote for the Democrat or Sarah Palin. Again, that the extreme thing. Yeah. I think you're right, Trig. We're seeing here, and we've seen it repeatedly now, Democratic enthusiasm and movement towards the pro-democracy coalition is happening, you know, in significant numbers. And and the Republicans are having, you know, they're feuding, they're having problems and there's a divide and a split. Uh, and it's enough of one uh, that I think the Bannon line is growing a little bit here since Dobbs. And I think you're right, too, because that exposed I mean, we're seeing it now, South Carolina passing, you know, passing a, a ban on abortion uh, with no no exceptions, I think, has just happened uh, as we as we're recording this. Those kind of extreme actions that have been taken now in legislature after legislature, uh, state after state, um, is just, again, with a, alongside January 6th developments, uh, you know, the, the, the FBI warrant search, all these things just, I think, are starting to pile up and enough people are getting it that this is an extreme party that cannot be allowed a majority. Well, you guys should also remember 
Sarah Palin, if, if we were talking like 10 years ago about Sarah Palin going for Don Young seat, she was like for a while had approval ratings in the 90s in Alaska. She was one of those popular governors on the, if, if not the most popular governor. So it's crazy that Sarah Palin could only pull 48% in Alaska and flip a seat for the first time in what, 50 years? That is wild to me. Well, her former in-laws did an event for baggage. I mean, like she couldn't even pull her former in-laws. I think the thing with the, the other the other dynamic in all of this is, you know, they're, the Republicans are in a box because, you know, and the Dobbs is the greatest example of this, but they've set up a binary choice where it's a binary choice of 40% extremist, you know, no abortion under any circumstances, versus versus in a multiple choice environment. And so, right, the, the extremism with Dobbs ends up at post-Dobbs, it becomes so obvious. And then, you, you know, that doesn't even get into the top secret documents laying around, you know, in a office in Mar-a-Lago Mar and all the rest of the insanity. Um, but it really has clarified it, I think. But you see also in the generic numbers, Democrats now, I think it was Morning Consult, had had Democrats up five uh, in the generic House vote. Yeah. You know, that's a big change from, you know, a month or so ago. And I think, again, you know, I'd much rather be the pro-democracy forces going into the last few weeks here than this Republican Party with their, you know, mega extremism going on and the fight between uh, you know that, that that they're they're having internally. The one thing, though, I you know, we pointed this out in last week's show, but I think Alaska actually kind of like makes it even more clear. Is when we talked about the the victory in New York nineteen, we talked about the fact that there were two hundred and twenty two districts in the congressional districts in the United States today that have higher democratic performance than New York 19 did. Right. So when you're looking at we, you know, do we have a chance to to win a majority? Well, we won New York 19. We outperformed what Biden did in that district uh, and and won. There are 222 districts that have higher democratic performance than that. And by the way, in the last five specials, we exceeded democratic performance. Uh, or, or expected democratic performance. So there's a good chance, but when you look at those those 222, and then specifically, you look if you look at what happened, the I think ranked choice voting in Alaska made that the GOP completely underperformed up there, right? Had to to to, to have this because we're not talking about it. <laughs> a plus democratic anything, as you point out, it's, it's Alex pointed out, they're not in the 222. Right. But also, you know, I, I saw, uh, again, I think the Cook report said, like, you know, there's 32 toss-up seats right now. Um, and they said, hey, you know, if if those get split six, 16 to 16, that would give, uh, rep put Republicans in that, that, in the 10 to 20 range that they expect uh, Republicans to pick up. Well, I don't know. We're we're in those thirty-two. Those are toss-up seats. These are not Alaska. They're not plus, you know, big plus red. So uh, this is where again, I think uh, people are starting are not looking at this. You're still looking at those thirty-two seats, saying, "Oh, Biden's approval ratings." No, no. look at those thirty-two seats. 
Democrats are outperforming. They're winning. We're winning in the uh, now in the generic that's going up, uh, has gone up for the last few weeks, and I don't think it's going to go down. But we'll see. It's clear to me that that Alaska kind of proves the point that we have we we are going to win in some places that no one expects us to win. And plus, I think in those thirty-two toss-ups, I think Democrats have a. And it's not a fifty-fifty thing there. I think Democrats have a real advantage now. Uh, going and, and again, we saw the model. There you are arguing uh, inflation and gas prices and and Biden's senile and um, and and Trump's being uh, persecuted and all that. You know, all they're whining, and uh, it's Democrats are doing you know out there taking and you'll. I think Biden with uh, his speech uh, that will happen after we record this today. Uh, is going to keep pushing the, you know, the mega extreme, uh, that that's the choice people have. And I think given that choice, a lot of those third, and again, abortion, a lot of the different issues that are clearly energizing voters um, is, is gives Democrats a big advantage in those toss-up seats. Well, you know, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like the conventional wisdom when you're when you're doing house races, if you're sitting at one of the committees is, okay, the toss ups are going to split 50 50. But that's conventional wisdom in the game that that we know this, but that isn't the game we're playing. It's not the game that the other side's been playing. And, you know, if you're if you're sitting at the RNC, NRSC and you're losing Alaska, Alaska might be 300 on that list or 350 that house seat right so the the idea that they're going to flip 50 50 probably isn't the reality and and the other part of it is and you know we talk about this a lot you know as the as the former republican on this call you know if i vote for the democrat that's two votes for the democrat it's the vote for the the republican didn't get and it's the vote for the democrat if i sit the race out because they say you know what i just can't do that it's still a vote for the democrat because it would have been 10 years ago a vote for the republican and so so when you take an energized base of the democrat party and couple it with a bannon line where you've got people now not just saying I'm going to sit it out, but I'm going to actively go and vote for the for the Democrat. That is a completely different dynamic than than what we had for rules five years ago. I mean, and that's what we saw in Alaska. I mean, that's what I mean. Exactly what you're talking about is what happened in Alaska. Some some of those voters up there, uh, obviously. You know, it, they've been young seat for like 50 years, right? So some of them voted for a Democrat for the first time in their lives, even if it yeah. was a second choice, right? right? And then, and then a lot of them clearly walked out. You know, didn't didn't play uh, if that if, if the choice was a Democrat or, or Sarah Palin. I think that that scenario is it may it won't be as pronounced necessarily, but if you have any of that happening in these toss up races, um, where's Republican, you know, the Republican is a is a, a a mega cult candidate. So some of the the establishment Republicans or whatever you want to call them these days, if they even exist, decide to skip that to skip that vote, or vice versa. Uh, they're not mega enough uh, that that they don't that the mega crowd right. won't vote. So you, there are real things happening here. 
the other thing is, look, Democrats have gotten a lot of things done the last couple of months. I mean, a lot of things done that really help people. The insulin, uh, holding it at, at $35. On the whole fight, to, like, you know, Republicans, you know, don't want to have Medicare uh, negotiate with pharma to set drug prices or whatever. You know, it's like, well, who would, you're somebody, you got, you have to get insulin or a, a drug to take care of your cancer or some other condition. And who the hell is going to negotiate for you? No one, not the Republican <laughs> Party, right? So it's like, I just think they've been the party of no, the party of the extreme, and it's starting to really catch up. And I think I think the other thing on the individual voter level, and I'd love you guys for what you think. You know, I voted, I'll, I'll admit this, and it might not be popular with your audience. I, I voted straight Republican until 98. I remember the first time I, I voted for a Democrat. I know, and it, you still say it, you still call it the Democrat right, Party. Right, I, I do. The first time I voted for a Democratic candidate. And um, I get that from your Twitter followers all the time. Democratic candidate. And there's a psychological thing in that, right? Like that slowly started a process where I became a ticket splitting voter. And eventually, you know, Trump came along and I became homeless man in politics. But the reality is um, we shouldn't discount that reality that there is a whole bunch of Republican leaning independents who are now becoming truly independent. And that is a good thing for the Democratic candidates that are running. And you, and, and, and that's a totally different dynamic as well. Um, and it's a huge deal. Well, Trick, that's a good point because you, you look at a lot of the, the attacks that were kind of made against Joe Biden and the campaign and all the stuff Trump said and all the stuff Republicans said. For the most part, it just hasn't come true because it was just so out there. So you have a lot of Republicans out there who are like, eh, but if I believe all the stuff they're saying, the world's going to end and we're going to get invaded by China or whatever it is, it largely didn't happen. Joe, you're right. He's gotten a lot of good stuff done that cuts across party lines. So all those attacks that didn't happen are almost in another way giving another round of permission for Republicans or some of those independents who were Republicans for a long time to say, yeah, you know, I, I voted for him and the world didn't end. All the stuff they said about him didn't happen. So it's okay now. Yeah. Not only that, like from, from a, as, as somebody who's still pretty conservative, for example, on foreign policy, for God's sakes, the man united NATO and, and has led Sweden and Finland joining it. I mean, I couldn't be happier. Ronald Reagan couldn't do that for God's sakes. Joe Biden has done that. So, like, there's a lot of things that that all sides can hang their hats on, with the exception of the extremist people who don't believe the election was legitimate. And that's crazy. There has not been an election where Trump wasn't on the ballot where you had, you know, it, when he's on the ballot, you know, you do get a whole bunch of people who don't vote, haven't voted who come out. He's not on the ballot. And neither is Biden. Um, and so I, you know, I, I think the, the, everybody keeps looking at, you know, like the approval numbers and how that usually ends up, you know, impacting the midterms and it, and it almost always does. And, you know, I get that, but I do think it's becoming a, that's why the choice between the extreme MAGA party. And when you look at the 139 that didn't certify the election, um, you don't want, you know, I think people are becoming clear about just how extreme this party is. And it's that's the choice now. It's not about, um, 
uh, in a lot of ways, I, you know, will we see the kind of turnout that that gets generated when Trump's on the ballot? No. And they got that's what happened in 2018. And it really it, that's where Democratic there was a lot of energy on the Democratic side and and we won. Um, and they've got far crazier, far, far crazier candidates running. Uh, in 2022 than they did in 2018, um, and I and I think I think it's clear too that Trump, as as strong as he still has a hold on the party, uh, he's diminished uh, with a lot. Of, you know, with the, the the Bannon line is is getting bigger. I mean, the the number of people, as we saw in Alaska, who who just now it's a bridge too far. Uh, and so, Trig, the one thing I really wanted to ask you as a Republican. Former Republican. Former Republican. I'm sorry. Don't get me killed by your Twitter followers, okay. Joe. Okay. <laughs> Don't. No, Trig. And you got a lot. You got a lot of them. There's like two million of them. I no, don't no, not too many. <laughs> no, but the one thing I want to ask you as a former Republican is your take on this feud that we're seeing now out in the open with Rick Scott and Mitch McConnell. I mean, it's like. Part of it is like it, it's just crazy because on the one hand you've got the guy saying, "Hey, you got to have skin in the game, so I want to raise taxes on everybody." And by the way, we're also want to sunset Medicare and Social Security, saying that Mitch is the guy who's at fault if we lose the Senate. And Mitch is, of course, saying, "No, no, but our our candidates suck is the reason why we're 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 going to lose." <laughs> and so like how. Which just I think does sort of exacerbate this divide that we're talking about. So I wanted to get your take on it. Well, they made a decision, as you know. I have some ties to Mitch's world, <laughs> and at one point did some stuff in that world. Uh, they made a decision that they were going to try and have a permanent governing coalition without the insanity of Trump. And what they're learning very quickly is the insanity eats the coalition. And and so, you know, they made it they it might be a nice soundbite, but it's a terrible strategy. And, you know, McConnell's political world, I think, believe that that they could manage it. And what's ended up happening is it's it's eating them up. I mean, you've got what are they going to do? They need seats. You know, if McConnell's going to be majority leader. They have a bunch of money in SLF. If they spend it to elect Blake Masters, Blake Masters has already said he's not voting for Mitch McConnell for majority leader. J.D. Vance is making similar. They took their 30 pieces of silver, and now the deal with the devil is coming too. So, you know, the idea that Rick Scott is doing that to McConnell, that's not surprising because Rick Scott looks in the mirror and doesn't see a guy who took the fifth 75 times when he was ripping off old people. He sees a president looking back at him. Um, and so he's just doubling down on on this stuff. And and McConnell, no one should feel sorry for him. They made the deal with the devil. They're they're paying the price. Um, and quite frankly, he made a deal with the devil with the Supreme Court, with with going both ways on the Supreme Court stuff. And you know that's killing their them too. So I, there's not a lot of sympathy on on my side for that. When Rich Scott says, "When you complain and lament that we have bad candidates," when he says that, you know, it's I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but I, you know, I agree with Mitch McConnell. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, you know, I mean, he's just he's just for once in his life 
saying the truth yeah. <laughs> uh, out loud, you know, which I guess they can't stand. Yeah, that's like, you know, no, you got to lie. You got to lie. Right. You got to tell us they're all great. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, it, it does give you like when you've got the, you know, the leader <laughs> telling you that our candidates out there just suck. Um, and by the way, if even if whether they do or don't, they're going to raise your taxes and and try to end Social Security and Medicare. I mean, what are these that what do they have to offer uh that's going to make you, you know the give uh, uh, that's the most fascinating thing to me is the how they've they've literally have no agenda except for this kind of inner party squabbling over why we're going to lose. Yeah. I, I think it probably confounds them on some level, but he's you know he made they made the deal to try and go that route, they, it isn't like they didn't try in some places. I mean, they were backing quietly Donlan and, and with his team in, in Ohio. They, they've just gotten beat because they, they didn't realize that, that the insanity was the coalition. And so if you have a bad strategy from the, the outset, and I think people are surprised about it, probably particularly people like you, Joe, where McConnell has been such a worthy adversary, you know, he and Harry Reid would have their battles and, and McConnell, you know, had had so much success, but he, the, the strategy was completely flawed. Why are there candidates having so much trouble raising money? I mean, is, is Teal going to come in and, and try to save Arizona and Ohio or, or are these guys on their own? No, but they're bickering about that because Steele Thiel helped get those guys through. And now he's like, okay, Mitch, you SLF sitting on all this money and, and yeah, I mean, they brought the donors along for the ride. I mean, you, you gotta think at some point the donors aren't happy about it. And, you know, you got people like Carl are in the middle of SLF. Carl can't be happy about it. Carl's been pounding away on Trump. They, they're all fighting amongst themselves because strategically they had an opportunity to do the right thing on after January 6th and they thought we're going to have a coal, the coalition without the insanity. Feels saying like, Hey, okay, I got you guys started now. I'm, I'm not going to spend any more Mitch. It's, it's your turn. Uh, and, <laughs> and the two guy, at least two of them are guys that are making noises about not supporting Mitch McConnell for majority leader. If they take the, if they take the Senate. So as you pointed out earlier in the show, Mitch is now like, <laughs> Well, is he really going to throw a ton of money at these two guys? I mean, how's this going to play out in your mind? And I, I'm sorry if I interrupted your thought, too. No, no, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine having sat in that room at one point in my life. I can't imagine sitting in that room because there's no good answer to it. <laughs> you know, like, and yeah, there's no good answer to it. What are you going to do? Um, they're, they're, here's the thing. They tried to not pay the price for what happened on one six in the big lie, because, you know, somebody was quoted in a Republican Senator was quoted. I don't know who it was on background after the election, but before everything really went down saying, well, you know, Trump will come around. Let's just humor him for a while. They thought that they could have what happened in the United States on one six and not pay a political price for it. And the truth of the matter is, I think the laws of political physics are such, they're now paying the price for it because 
they had an opportunity, you know, to, 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 and, and I think they just thought to themselves, well, if we do that, you know, Trump probably leaves the building and we won't win elections for a while. What they're finding out is now it's way worse. It's, it's like having a mole on your arm and being like, I better not go to the doctor because it might be cancerous. I think I'll just ignore it. You know, that's what they did. And now they're paying the price for it all over the place. Craig, I mean, you and I, we, and Alex, we talked, ah, gosh, maybe a year ago uh, about democracy versus autocracy, that that was the, you know, that that's the real threat to the nation. And, you know, we actually, and we talked about like, well, anybody understand what a talk, what we mean? Um, how's, what is a better way of, uh, uh, to make, you know, to make that the battleground that we fight on? Um, and so, you know, tonight, uh, again, this after we record this, I think, you know, we're seeing Biden who's going to give a speech and talk about the threat to democracy. And I think that's, again, going to put that that this is not right versus left. It's not really Democrats versus Republicans. It's a pro-democracy coalition against a, a party that is out to thwart our democracy right now. And it's clear he's been, you know, making this case. But I think uh, tonight, it could put that battleground choice that you and I talked about with Alex, like, like, like I said, over a year ago, could have put it front and center. What do you think about where that is right now? I think I said to you when, when we were all talking about it back then, you know, um, when I was working overseas with IRI and I would bring Belarusians or Ukrainians or Russians people to the U.S. IRI is the International Republican Institute, by the way, folks. Just right. And as you know, working with NDI, IRI and NDI work together around the world in a bipartisan way. But when I would have these guys come back, there were two members of Congress I could always count on meeting with the with the DS, with with the people who are fighting for democracy in those places. John McCain and Joe Biden were the ones you know, when all of us would bring people back. Right. And um, so I, as I said, you know, when I decided to get involved with Lincoln Project and, and was like, all right, it was part of it was a faith in knowing that Joe Biden understood what democracy and that bigger fight was all about. I think we're just seeing that. I mean, it's, 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 he's, he, he gets it and they're really starting to find their voice. And, and to some degree, when we talked back then, I talked about the seven rules for, for dealing with autocrats. Joe Biden is using them, you know? No, he's calling them out. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Really he's speaking is. truth to power. Yeah. He's using zero-sum judo. Um, he's forcing them out of the present moment and, and saying whatever they have to say to survive and pulling them into the past and the future, you know, his comment about you can't be pro-law enforcement and pro-insurrection. Where are they going to go with that? They, there's no place for them to go. Even they can't even use whataboutism on it. And so I think it's great that he's he's speaking out. He in a in a strange way, I think Joe Biden, where Joe Biden has found his voice to me at its peak is is in this big question, whether it's Ukraine or at home, when he's posing democracy versus autocracy, because it's it's who he is at his core. It's it it's just who he is. Right. While the Republican the, the you know it, the celebrate Orban uh in Hungary. I mean it's just amazing right. just where these people want to take the country. I mean he as as Biden said, the mega Republicans 
don't just threaten our personal rights and our economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. Uh, they refuse to accept the will of the people. They embrace, embrace political violence. They don't believe in democracy. It's a powerful statement. They believe I, in fear, Joe. It's all about making people afraid. Right. And, and Joe Biden right. is talking about us having faith in each other. And, and a common purpose. And I think that and, and that's getting things done for people, which they which he's been doing a pretty damn good job of no matter what the however it gets covered. Yeah. But, you know, again, gas prices have been going down, folks. And I say I've been saying this. People are probably tired of me hearing it. But, you know, if they keep doing the crazy. We keep doing the work. We win. Uh, look, they are they keep doing the crazy. And I think more and more Americans are waking up to just how extreme and how big the threat really is. And I think the evidence that piles up on January 6th and, and the, the FBI search warrant, all these things, and again, the Dobbs decision, are just starting to pile up and wake people up to the threat. And I think the president going you know, front and center, calling it out, calling it what it is, and and, and calling on the American people to come together, not as Republicans or Democrats, but but for democracy and against those who want to thwart it when there's so much evidence of a, of a, of a party that has left, you know, essentially, you know, when it doesn't win an election, then the election was stolen and the big lie takes over. And hell, you know, if Trump is threatened with an indictment, well, all hell's going to break loose. I mean, it's all that... That violence, that fear, fear of what's coming if you do what is right under the rule of law, we're coming. It's just a, you know, I think the president putting that decision in front of the American people going into November will make it even tougher on these Republicans who want to move away from some of these extremist views. I mean, that's the, the real thing here. It's the real fascinating thing for me going into these last uh, weeks. The Republican Party really has two choices. It can super double down and try to inflame the Trump base to, to, to the mega base to turn out. Or it can try to moderate and move to the center. You know, traditionally, you win your crazy primary and then you move to the center. There are no signs that they're taking that path. Right. And I think if you go down the, the path of trying to inflame the mega base, that's just going to push even more of these independent. What we saw last night, what, what we saw in Alaska, it's got more independents, more more Republicans. People like are me gonna, are going to say no. Yeah, again, exactly right. I think that's right. I hopefully that's right. I think the other thing is, and I'm sure you've had this experience, right? Like, fortunately, through my my international experiences, I've met some people that history will remember, you know, the Lech Walensis or the Václav Havels. And the one thing that I that I took from some of those experiences, it, experiences of meeting some of those people is, you know, people meet their moments, not moments meet people. Um, you know, Lech Walensa was a guy when everybody else was afraid who scaled a fence. He was a welder who did that. And he ignited and inspired. And he wasn't a great president of Poland, but he, you know, achieved the ultimately started a path that led to the disillusionment of the Soviet Union. Um, 
Joe Biden is is somebody who's meeting his moment by speaking truths and not being afraid. Liz Cheney is an example of that. Elaine Loria. You know, we're seeing all kinds of people who are meeting their moments. Um, and and Biden is really meeting his moment. And And interestingly, you know, I say this a lot. Yeah, the policy stuff is important in the game we know in the elections. And you're right. They have gotten a lot of things done that are helping people and that it, they're, there's positive in the ballot box from that. But where Biden's really succeeding is he's meeting the moment on the big issue, right. which is what we face and what are we a nation that's afraid of each other or, or, or are we what the founders envisioned and what really made America great? which is faith in each other. And I, you know, if you know, I was in France, I went to Normandy, those boys that were coming off those boats, they weren't asking each other who they voted for in the last election. They were, they were having faith in each other that they were going to take those beaches. And man, when you see them, it's incredible that they did that. And, and that's, that's, that's people meeting the moment and Biden's meeting the moment. Yeah. You know, I, I think that tees up something that our good friend in the Lincoln Project uh, Stuart Stevens, I'll paraphrase it, but it was a tweet he had that I think really uh, talks about this moment and Biden, you know, in a speech. You know, there are two approaches to campaign messaging. Polls remind you of your deeply held beliefs, facetiously, of course, or fight for what you believe in. Because Stuart Stevens said, put democracy on the ballot, go out and take it. You are right and they are wrong. Win. And I think that's what I'm hoping we hear from the president. Guys, I think that's as good a place to end as any. We're just about out of time. Hey, Trig, thanks for, for being with us today. And thanks, everyone, for listening to That Trippy Show. We'll be back next week. Please subscribe to That Trippy Show and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question to thattrippyshow at gmail.com or leave us a question in the review on iTunes. These last two or three episodes have been among the most uh, downloaded and listened to uh, that we've had. Keep spreading the word. Get your friends to, to listen. Send them the link. Really appreciate everything you've done to hear us out and to make a difference. Also, join the union.us. If you haven't gone there, please do and sign up. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Trig. Yep. My pleasure, Joe. We'll see you all next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.